Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And we're inviting you to a lady date, a place to connect, speak openly, and learn from each other's experiences. Today's episode is about something we're all familiar with, that feeling of being busy all the time, every day. But first, we have some new patrons to shout out. Beth and John Kay. Thanks for supporting us. We're so glad we have more patrons to announce this week. Um, And we're so happy to be uh, giving you a little shout out and, you know, making you famous via our podcast. So you're welcome. Um, But no, seriously. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, thank you so much for your support. And uh, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, to get us started today, just like every other day, we're going to kick off with an icebreaker. And today is a fun one. It's kind of a cozy one because we've got some snow here in Portland. So the question today is, Jess, did you have a stuffed animal as a child? And if so, what was its name? Oh, I did have a stuffed animal as a child. It was a bunny. And I also had a baby blanket as a child that my mom had made for me. And I still actually have the tattered baby blanket. Um, It's tucked away in a Tupperware container safe from the elements. Um, I actually don't remember what my bunny's name was, um, but I used to pick all the fuzz off of it. And I don't know, maybe we'll edit this out, but I used to like pick the fuzz and roll it into balls and store it in my cheeks. As a kid, <laughs> like a chipmunk, <laughs> which is so what? weird. I don't know. I don't know why, but my sisters and my parents will tell you, and they honestly will probably remember what the bunny's name was, but they will tell you that they would like see me doing it and my mom would come and like take her finger and like scoop out the fuzz balls from my mouth. <laughs> what? At least you didn't swallow them. That we know of. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the times so your parents weird. didn't scoop it out. Exactly. That's crazy. It's like pica a little bit. Did you eat any other random stuff? Not that I know of. <laughs> I don't know. That was one of the things that like I will never be able to live down um, is something that we still laugh about. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It is honestly one of the weirdest things that I have heard about myself from my childhood. Oh, man. That was not the answer i thought i was gonna get to that question like <laughs> surprise n- <laughs> not at all <laughs> what about you sarah you want to follow that up <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> um well i've never eaten a stuffed animal before not a not a delicacy i've partaken in um I am sure, I'm sure I had tons of stuffed animals as a kid. I don't remember one specifically. I also had a blankie. And man, why do we keep those things for so long? We like really wear them out too. Oh yeah. I know my mom probably still has mine, maybe. But being the oldest, I feel like my stuff kind of got repurposed, hand-me-downed, and then probably used to shreds. So not totally sure what still exists. Um, 
I have a couple of stuffed animals that I still uh, have thrown on my bookshelf behind me, actually, um, that were from, like, later childhood. And one is, like, a little puppy, and his name is Gimlet. And my uh, dad, I remember, like, specifically going to a store, and, like, my dad got me, got it for me. Um, so I was a little bit older, like, enough to remember. Um, and then I have two other stuffed animals that I took to college with me and then we named them when I was in college. And so one is Kyan the lion um, because he looked like Kyan from the original queer eye and had the same little like hair with his mane. Hair poof. Uh huh. Yep. And then uh, the other one is a, what's it called? A woolly mammoth. And so his name is Mamory the woolly mammoth. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I love that you still have them. I still have them, yeah. They're just little guys. They they hang out in the back of all my meet- meetings, and I'm like, hmm. On Zoom, I wonder if anyone is ever like, that girl has stuffed animals. <laughs> it is interesting when you're on Zoom calls and you, like, kind of can peek into people's bookshelves and see, like, what kinds of books they have or what kinds of trinkets they have. Who knows? I guess, I like, know. you know, as long as it's not half like picked away um the stuffed animal probably still looks really nice (laughs) they do yeah they look they look pretty good mostly because i think when i I got them when i was older so they didn't have to go through the like you know dragging it on the ground putting it in my mouth that kind of stuff that every kid does (laughs) yes you know you just We love on our stuffed animals, and it's just different for everyone. (laughs) It's love. Yeah, it's love in different ways. uh, Do you still have the bunny? Because I I would love to see photos of it if you don't. Yeah, I think it, I'm guessing it's probably still at my parents' house somewhere. I'm guessing it's horrifying, and I really want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. You... You learn uh, what's under the fuzzy parts of stuffed animals. It's just like a mesh netting. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Oh, gosh. Um, we can Such cut an- most of this if you want to. <laughs> Interesting. Totally up to you. <laughs> No, whatever. Let's put it out there. It helps people get to know us. <laughs> um, we're credible. Um, we're professional. Yeah. This is episode 10. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Hopefully no one starts believe. here. <laughs> Ooh, it'll be an interesting ride for them if they do. But yeah, double digits. We made it. Yeah. It feels pretty big. It does. And like, I feel that this topic is such a fitting topic for us to talk about uh, as we, you know, are navigating a new fiscal year in our jobs and kind of navigating, balancing, working full-time with creating this podcast and that we have committed to season two. And, uh, you know, we even had to reschedule recording this just because our own personal lives got busy. And it just begs the question of, like, why do we feel that whenever we talk to someone, a lot of times you'll kind of hear, like, oh, you know, work's been busy, I'm busy. Oh, wow. My day was so busy. Like, why is that something that we seem to constantly be in a state of? And like, why is everyone so damn busy? Right. Right. And is this like a COVID thing? Is this like a professional thing? Is this just 
posturing, but it's, it's true. It's like so consistent. And, you know, part of it, I think, falls into the things we say to each other that are just like default. Like when you ask someone how they're doing and they say good, it's just like the interactions that we're trained to say. And it feels similar to like professional in the professional world on Mondays, you talk about how talk about your weekend, you talk about uh, the fact that it's Monday. And then Fridays, you talk about how you're glad it's Friday and talk about your weekend. You know, it's like, we get into these routines of sharing. And I feel like part of that now is talking about being busy. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, Jess. Do you think that Um, maybe this is a chicken and the egg thing. Do you think that um, we've created this culture of needing to be busy or needing to be perceived as busy? And has that then influenced this conversation piece where we're where it's just ingrained in us to to tell people about it? Um, Or have we has it become just like fluff? Like, is it just part of our conversation where we're like, Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. I guess my question really is like, is it perception or is it truth? And who did this to us? Those are my questions. All right, go. (laughs) Valid questions. I think it's everything that you just said. Like, I think it is a culture. And I I think also we have to disclaimer that we're speaking from being in the United States. And so this idea of being busy could very well be completely different or perceived differently or talked about differently in another country um, and we can't really speak to that because I think you and I have both traveled to different places and seen the emphasis that is put on rest, the emphasis that has been put on slowing down that we don't have in the United States, like specifically on the mainland. I like do not think people quite know how to nowadays function and work without being seen as busy. Because when you're busy, you seem more important. And it almost has evolved into this bragging right. Like, if you hear somebody else say on your team that they're busy, well, you want to be seen as busy too. And, you know, is it seen as this, like, I don't, I mean, is it seen as this prestigious thing? Is it seen as this, like, goal that you want to have in order to be busy because when you're talking about it and you're talking with your peers or your coworkers, it almost is now correlating with seeming more important. And I think that that can be very damaging because we've created this culture of always working, always being on, and having that kind of take over and, you know, I used to not take lunches. I used to sit at my desk when I worked in an office and I used to be like, oh, well, I'm not taking a lunch. Like I'm working through lunch. What the heck is that? It's not healthy. It's also not how it should be, but it's something you see exemplified by your managers. It's something that you're seeing exemplified by your peers. And so you just fall into it. And it's like, as more responsibility comes your way, you take on all of these things that make you busy or give the perception of you being busy and then you stop taking care of yourself it's like Mm -hmm. they have it has to be one or the other right right and i think you're right like 
when I when I say that I'm busy or when I hear from other people that their you know days are full, I don't think it's posturing. I think people legitimately are super are overwhelmed or are filling their schedules with meetings or you know just have a lot going on. I don't think most people are, are lying. I would I wouldn't guess because um, everyone gen generally seems pretty exhausted. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I think you're right. I think we basically make these sacrifices um, of our of our health and our our well being to basically fulfill this like busyness that does feel like a trophy. It feels like a promotion almost of like exactly what you said. I'm important enough that I have to be in all these meetings and I have to do all these things. And they're probably not like calendar blocks where you're getting work done on your no. own, right? It's like meetings with other people, and that feels really. It feels really good and that you feel needed and valued and it feels terrible and that you forget to eat and <laughs> go for a walk and right. you know take a nap and all the things that you probably should be doing to take care of yourself. So yeah, I totally, I agree with you. And uh, I think that it's been, it's made a lot worse, I think, especially for me from COVID because there's nothing else to do but work. Right. And uh I feel like being a remote employee, I'm expected to be on Slack or my my like new time card, even though I'm a salaried employee, is like being on being online, being on Slack, being accessible at all times. So I feel like it's it's made a little bit worse by that. But I don't know if that's a thing that's like in my head or if it's gener it's like actually expected from the people that I work with. I feel like it might be a little bit in my head. What do you what do you think, Jess? <laughs> you know, I think that there is an expectation to some degree. I think especially as you start getting into management positions, there's this really hard balancing act that you're now having to do of getting your own work done, but also being there for somebody else or for multiple people, depending on the size of your team. And I think that, you know, it this isn't something that I figured out, nor do I really know how to give advice on it, but it has become this acceptable idea that you can have a day full of meetings. You're also expected to be there for any of your direct reports, and then you have to get your work done. So now you're probably looking at more than your standard eight-hour workday, and good luck. Like, there's really nothing you can do. There's really not a whole lot that you can shift off your plate. Maybe there are um, some small wins that you can, or maybe there's an element of like delegating that you can do. But oftentimes, if you're getting pulled into management level meetings or uh, different things that really only you can be at, as much as you try to guard your time, I think it's just sort of this expectation that you're going to have to have all of that and that you're going to probably have to log off at some point and then come back on. And now it is worse because of all of us working remotely and having to navigate what that looks like. I don't really know what the solution is to that, though. All right. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about, you know, whether or not this is if it's important to look busy or to be busy, right? And I feel like we've we've touched on this kind of like concept of perception. I think for either what whatever the answer is, it, it's per, it's perception based, right? Like you want to be seen being busy, uh, right? And 
you know, part of that for me definitely comes from like, I overcommit myself for sure. I get, I get way in over my head with projects. I know it's a fault and I cannot half-ass something. So like, I will just work and work and work and try to perfect things on all the millions of projects that I've signed myself up for. Um, and I have to be really good about like managing arbitrary deadlines and, and really prioritizing because I know to a certain extent that I'm going to overcommit myself. And that's like, (laughs) it's almost like an unfixable flaw. So it's like, I got to fix things around it. So I, I think it's, it's perception on one side for me, for sure. And it's also just like, uh, perfectionist side as well. But I'm, I'm curious what it would look like if we, if we did the opposite, like what is the opposite of what we do? Like what would happen if we actually took the time to, I don't know, take care of ourselves and block out time for ourselves and like take actual lunches? Like, do you feel like we would be perceived as lazy or, like, what would you do if you had a coworker that was like, I block my lunch every day, please don't overlap with my lunch. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like, I don't know if I would be annoyed or respectful. Maybe both. Maybe one secretly and one publicly. <laughs> Fair. So I think it comes down to what your company culture is and whether or not you have individuals in higher leadership positions really taking care of their time, making sure that they're blocking out time, that they're stepping away, that they're in essence kind of giving permission or setting an expectation around blocking time out for yourself, balancing things as best you can. Like I've had so many countless conversations with my manager about, oh wow, like your calendar is so busy or it's so full and it's just kind of accepted. And I say that having that conversation with my manager at every single job I've had, not even my current job. I think that that is oftentimes what will happen is you kind of are just accepting of it. But I also feel like in the last year, I've heard a lot more people encouraging each other or encouraging their direct reports to take more breaks or to block that time on their calendar. And then establishing that within the team and saying, hey, just out of respect for each other's time, let's make sure we're not booking meetings on Fridays or let's not book into somebody's uh, downtime or focus time or lunchtime or whatever it might be. But I think that really does come back to what that company is setting out and then what that team that you're working on is really establishing as kind of a rules of engagement sort of standard. So it's possible, but has to come from a couple of different places to make it put in action or make it happen, I guess. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really spot on, actually. It, that resonates with me because when I've had people above me, like managers, make that time, carve out that time and say like, hey, I'm going to go and, you know, I work out at four every day or I take a lunch or I whatever, whatever the standard is that they set, I feel like it's permission to be like, oh, okay, it's expected here 
to carve out that time for yourself. Um, and it doesn't mean you're not getting your work done. It just means that um, if you're offline between four and five or whenever, whatever time it is you've set or away from your desk or whatever that is, like it's, uh, it's okay it, that you're going and taking that time for yourself because that then is put back into the work you do at the company. So I, I feel like that's totally accurate and that like that has to come from someone above you and not necessarily someone who is maybe your peer um, to, right. in order for it to feel like culture or feel like permission or, or whatever, or the standard. Yeah. I yeah. really resonate with that. For it to be normalized and for it mm-hmm. to be seen and repeated, because I think that's just it too. It can't happen one week and then the following weeks, it's like, well, we gave it our all. It just didn't <laughs> stick, which is really easy to have happen. And, you know, I think because we're so heavily connected on our devices where we can have our email and our work calendar and our, you know, Slack or whatever it might be that your company uses on your phone and you can have push notifications turned on for all of that. Like just on a day-to-day basis, you're still going to get pinged when things happen. And if you have coworkers who are working over the weekend and asking you for things and setting this expectation that you should be responding, that often I've seen change from job to job. And I was just talking to one of our managers about how I was grateful that I found in our company that that expectation wasn't there on the weekends for us to be logged in. But I think that unfortunately that does happen with certain companies. And so then it comes down to, is that an okay way for you to function? Like, are you comfortable with that? And is that how you want to work? Or is it that you need to find a company that maybe resonates a little bit more with how you're choosing to balance your time because there is an element of, you know, that just kind of being the norm and maybe it varies by industry, maybe it varies by city, who knows. Uh, But I think it's important that as you're looking for places of employment, that you talk about that, that you ask that type of question, ask if people typically take a lunch. It's a really easy way to kind of see if people are taking time away right off the bat. Uh, Ask if people, you know, take time off. That's another big indicator. Are people working through their time off? What's the policy on if you end up signing in when you're on PTO, do you get that time back? Does your company even have any sort of regulation around that? Like, those are all questions that you can talk about and kind of see from early on as you're exploring new positions and new company cultures and trying to get a feel for it to sort of understand what you're potentially stepping into. Mm -hmm. That's a great point because when I interview, I try to do that. I try to ask questions around that with just like individuals that I'm interviewing with. Um, I'll ask them like what a normal workday looks like for them. And I feel like it's not a very common question and people will answer really honestly. And then when they answer, they're like, oh crap. (laughs) (laughs) I consider my normal workday to be a 10 hour day or a 12 hour day. I feel like it ends up being more like reflective, but you're right. It gives you insight into you know, either what that employee's work style is, which can Mm -hmm. be useful if that's going to be your teammate, or it gives you insight into the culture of the company. Because, you know, working in tech and working in startup culture, like sometimes there's a lot to do. And sometimes you just have to work a lot. And as a salaried employee, those hours that you work way, they blur way beyond the lines of a nine to five, right? Like sometimes 
you're launching a new website and you've got to work on the weekend or work on a holiday. Sometimes you have to do that. And I think that that's pretty generally accepted in startup world because we're all playing this like game of, oh, we're working at an exciting company and hoping to grow it into something spectacular together. But when that becomes the norm of like everyone is working weekends or working longer than, you know, a eight hour, 10 hour day every day, I think that becomes pretty, pretty hard to maintain your kind of like personal life, obviously, and you're just like your personal health as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes in this startup world that, you know, you and I are both living in, there's this awkward phase of trying to scale, but not having enough bandwidth or like human power. So you don't have enough people to do it all because you're kind of on the cusp of that growth or you're in process of growing and getting more people hired on to be able to handle different tasks. But when you're in that phase of really just trying to push for it and go for it, you're going to have a lot more people that are having to stay longer, do more, just because you need more people in general. Like you just need somebody to give a little bit more because you're trying to compensate for not having the actual headcount. Um, totally. And I think we're unfortunately seeing that now trickle into not just startups. And we're seeing a lot of companies having to cut back on headcount because they're trying to salvage their whole company that's maybe been established for a long time. And they're maybe not able to invest fully in bringing on new individuals. And so they're trying to figure out how to distribute work among the existing employees. And that's also really problematic because now you're having a more established company lean so heavily and try and make one person do the job of three people, what they would have expected to have at three people do. But if you're one person doing that, and the expectation is that you're accomplishing the same amount that when there were three people doing that those various jobs and responsibilities like there then has to be an understanding within that company on how to help set those individuals up for success because I think we're seeing that more and more happen where it's regardless of where you're at this pandemic has really forced a lot of people to just always be on and it's a problem like we shouldn't always be responding I'm so busy (laughs) or like how was work today oh it was really busy It's a bad feeling. Yeah. There are days where I know that I need to work out before a certain time of the day or else I will be too mentally exhausted to convince myself to work out. Like I know that I have to do it. And I mean, there are other benefits working out early in the day too. Like it gives you more energy through the day. So other perks for sure. But I know I will work myself into the ground by a certain point in the day. (laughs) Right. And that goes back to our conversation around sacrificing your health. You're not able to carve out time for you. You're not able to carve out time for walks, working out, eating like that right there is a huge red flag that we're in a cycle of sacrificing our health and our well-being for the sake of meeting deadlines and for the sake of, you know, having so much on our plate and also not being able to say no, Mm -hmm. not being able to say no to projects because now that we're all at home We don't want to be perceived as not contributing enough or not doing enough. We want to be kind of associated with, oh, well, I know that Sarah is already working on those five projects. So I know she's got a lot on her plate already. She's, you know, showing up. She's there. 
But if you already have five projects on your plate and you're trying to accomplish all of those and you, you know, are juggling various deadlines, that's, that's a hard line to toe because we're struggling with being seen and being kind of understood as like, yeah, we're contributing. Yes, we're, we're here. We're, we're part of all these projects, but that still is then where do you have the time to actually work on all of those things? Right. Right. I see people get really stressed out at work in general at many companies that I've worked for around just like getting things done by a certain due date and like we'll stress and stress and stress about getting things done. And oftentimes that due date is something that someone just set because things just needed to get done. You know, like you just need a new, you needed a due date. And so people will really stress about it. And it's like the solution to this is that we can just move this due date that meant nothing in the first place. So I think, Jess, you've brought up a lot of things that actually have given given me some insight into this topic that I didn't think would, uh, I didn't think my brain would go down this path. Because when we started talking about this for the first time, it was very like self-centered. Like it was very like, I'm busy. Why do we do this to ourselves type thing? But as you've, as you've spoken on these things, which is so funny because we prep for these episodes. So it's not <laughs> like any of this is new. Um, <laughs> We're but, very organized. I know. We have an outline. <laughs> um, it's funny because uh, you've actually kind of like changed my perspective on this a little bit because it's really important how you're perceived as well to your peers when it comes to like managing your time and managing your stress, especially if you're a manager. So I feel like from what you've said, it's also really important that you set the boundaries um, for yourself. And, and you do share that with people that you work with, especially if you have direct reports, because the things that have worked the best for me have been, um, shared by people who have been my managers. And I feel like if my managers were working, which this has happened at companies I worked for as well, if they were pinging me at night in the middle of the night or on a Sunday, you feel that like anxiety of like, oh crap, they're online. I should be online. Absolutely. Um, so it's really important, I think, for perception-wise, for you to also um, noodle scaling the window next to me. Hardcore <clears throat> kitty. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's important for you to kind of set those those boundaries and communicate them with other people for their best interest as well, um, and vice versa. Like to be really careful if you're working in the middle of the night maybe don't make it a habit because you could end up pressuring people around you to do the same thing. And you could end up in this like bad spiral of neglecting your health. Totally. It's interesting. Thanks for opening my brain, Jess. (laughs) Of course. I love that. I mean, I think it is really valuable. I think as we step into roles as managers ourselves and we are responsible for helping other individuals balance their time, it's important that you not only clearly communicate like when your project time is or when you're trying to carve out time for yourself and just, you know, it could be simple like, hey, I know you're waiting on this for me. Um, from me, I just, I have some time blocked out where I'm going to go heads down and I'm going to focus on getting things that I owe people. So you can expect this back from me at that point. And also encouraging those around you, even if you're not directly their manager, but just seeing that others are blocking out time on their um, calendars for lunch, like 
that helps set a standard even among your peers. And yes, it does kind of trickle down from like what management sets as an expectation. But then when you see those and when you talk about it with others, when you I can't tell you how like supported I felt when I took my first day off from work at this new job. And I did check my email just to kind of see if there was anything urgent because I turn off notifications when I go on PTO. I don't have any notifications, nothing pinging. Like the team knows if there's something urgent that they can text me. But I saw something that was just an email and bless this person because they said, hey, when you get back on Monday, let's talk about this. Just sending it over so you can review it when you get back. Something as simple as that, just setting that understanding that like, I don't expect you to look at this right now. There's no need for you to look at this right now. Mm. It doesn't have to be urgent, even though I sent it over to you when it's on a day off. Let's talk about it when you're back. But I wanted to remember to send it to you because, you know, sometimes you as an individual are working on something and it might slip your mind if you don't get to passing it along right then and there. But just Even using your words to say, like, I know you're going to be out these days. We can check back when you're, you know, back. Um, Or, hey, I just wanted to get your eyes on this now because I wanted to make sure that it didn't overlap with when you're going to be off or, you know, that you had an opportunity to look at something before the weekend. It's it's being kind of intentional with our words and and showing that care that we're thinking of another individual and their time and how they they deserve to protect their own time that we can really show each other. And I think that that's a super valuable takeaway from this conversation. Like, how can we show up for each other in this way? Yeah, totally. And how can we directly communicate that? Like when someone tells me, I know we joked earlier that I would be annoyed if someone blocked their calendar, but when someone tells me like, hey, I need to go for a walk, I'm going to be offline for like 30 minutes or whatever, or, you know, whatever, I need to go eat, I haven't eaten yet, or I need to grab whatever, whenever someone tells me that and communicates that directly, or even puts like a little status on Slack of like eating or going for a walk or whatever, I respect that a lot. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is a good reminder. Maybe I should do that too. So I think that there's a lot of value in just communicating that directly with with your coworkers. Yeah. Or if you like notice that you're getting pinged a lot by somebody or that they're like asking you questions and it's really late, maybe check in with them and see like, hey, you know, I noticed that you've sent me a couple things like later on in the day. I completely understand if that's just like your pattern, but I just want to check in like do we need to talk about prioritizing your workload? Like that's maybe more of a conversation if you have a direct report or, but if it's like a coworker and you're noticing that, just say, hey, I've noticed you have a lot of projects that you're juggling. How can I, how can I support you in what you're doing? Is there maybe something that I can help take off your plate that, you know, maybe I can set up the project for you and whatever, you know, project management tool you're using, or maybe I can do some of the things that are maybe time consuming administrative tasks that like you can carve out some time for, like, you never know. It's, it's really easy to be like, well, I can't help them because I'm so busy. But truly, when we keep telling ourselves that we're busy, that's when we don't get a whole lot of work done. Mm -hmm. You can get like, busyness freeze, right? Like that's not a thing. Um, But it's almost that like feeling of being so overwhelmed that when you feel as if you're super busy, you, I, I get this freeze where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I just can't do anything. And Mm -hmm. that's not productive either. No, 
No, not at all. That's when I make a list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So it's like figuring out your coping mechanism, figuring out your way to get organized. All right. So I feel like we've kind of gotten into like, I feel like we've we've really analyzed this issue and gotten into a couple of even like pointers of how we can get better at this and maybe manage our busy lifestyle. I don't know, maybe if we should stop saying that we're busy or not, because communicating that we're busy is probably a good thing. Um, But we've we've talked about, you know, being respectful of people's time. And I think that that is has become glaringly apparent to me working remotely, because, you know, as we've discussed, I've worked remotely before the pandemic. And now with a lot of people moving into a more distributed workforce, it becomes this kind of like balancing act of different time zones, right? And so as we're, we're talking about like pinging people late at night or on, you know, weekends or whatever, that becomes a little bit trickier when, you know, you're on the West Coast working with someone on the East Coast or working with someone in the UK even. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but this kind of like this concept of working with people at times of day when you're not working at the same time, this like asynchronous working, I think is going to be a lesson that makes work life so much better. I think one of the many things that have happened in the pandemic that you know, has like forced us to be better people or better workers. I think this will be one of them because I think it has been a misconception for a long time that you have to all be working in the same office at the same time in order to be a productive workforce. I don't know that that's ever been true because we're just not the same as humans. We're not all the same. Not all morning people. (laughs) Right. And some people just have different times of day that they're more productive. So I think it's also worth maybe even investigating that within your team if you're really curious and if you really want to talk about how you can successfully work asynchronously. I think that, you know, from my end where I'm working for a company that's based in the Midwest, I log in after they've all been online for a couple of hours. And I feel really fortunate that I don't have all of these time sensitive things waiting in my inbox or in my Slack. Like, absolutely, I have things that have come in and I have notes from people just being like, hey, just a heads up, like this is coming or this is on our radar or um, I'd love to get your feedback on this by, you know, 12 p.m. Central Time whatever that might be. But like, that's not happening every day. And that's not happening with every project. And I appreciate the fact that I can work for a company that's in a different time zone that then allows me to stay on a little bit later than everyone else. And I'm a morning person. So that even is to say like, I'm online and it's maybe 9am their time, but which is still like pretty reasonable as far as like timing in the morning. Some people start their day at 9am, which is also fine. And, you know, for me, I can come in, get settled, jump into it, probably knock out a bunch of meetings in the morning. But then I have that time in the afternoon to really work on things. And as people are logging off, that's okay, because I can continue to do my work. And then when they come back in the morning, They can kind of see if there's something that's pending their uh, review or whatever it might be. But it's also really important to recognize that asynchronous work is the way that we're trending. It is the way that we're going because you nailed it. You know, as companies start to work with vendors or are expanding to international markets or are partnering with companies that are in other 
countries and on different time zones. This idea that, you know, you have to all be working at the same time goes away. And there's not as much emphasis on that. It's putting a lot more trust in people to be able to do their work, which is hugely important and valuable from a like a company standpoint. Absolutely. I mean, it, we know that opening up your workforce to being distributed just gives you more of a pool anyway. So it's definitely a good thing. And I think that, you know, everything we've talked about will have to contribute to this kind of work lifestyle of, you know, being really intentional with your communication, having a little bit more forethought when you talk to someone, when you plan a project, when you need something from someone else, because um, that's going to end up having to be a two-way street of like, hey, I'm I'm making dinner right now. You are, you know, three time zones over, like, I'm not going to get to this till tomorrow. Is that okay? Or, you know, whatever. Hey, this is urgent. I need you to look at this today. Do you have time for this? So like, I I feel like our communication is just going to have to get better while also maintaining that kind of respect for other people's time and, and personal life. So maybe all of this is kind of building to a better workforce, um, that I think will benefit both the individual and the business at a large level. I hope so. I mean, I think that this conversation started out where I was a little bit kind of discouraged, like coming into this talk, like it was something that was very top of mind for you and I, and we thought it was really valuable to address and really important to talk through. And like, as we have been talking, I'm like feeling myself get more and more optimistic. And maybe it's just from the standpoint of like being able to take a step back. Maybe it's from the standpoint of like feeling as if, you know, there are some steps that we can take, whether it's communicating when like there are hard deadlines versus some flexibility. I think you really got to a good point where you know, we impose a lot of deadlines on ourselves that are very arbitrary and that we can flex a little bit and that we can move if it means sacrificing that time to have a better end result. Some deadlines are hard, like some are time dependent or data dependent or, you know, part of a big release or whatever it might be. And so that can create its own challenges, but it's a matter of communicating where there is some flexibility and where there's a little bit of like cushion or grace that you can give the team. Cause if you see a team just like running themselves into the ground to hit a deadline and like the product is so rushed and turned around and it's nobody's taken a breath and you're not really proud of it. Like it's worth taking a step back and saying like, okay, we just, we need to get this done. We know we can. Is it really going to make a huge difference to anyone else outside of this team if we don't deploy it today or get it out today? If the answer is no, then like be the one to speak up and just like bring that conversation up and bring it to the forefront of just like allowing everyone to take a collective breath and like step back because that's valuable. Oh yeah, for sure. And I agree with you. I, I think that I feel the same way. Going into this, I was like, we're busy and we're always going to be busy. And (laughs) that's just growing up. (laughs) Right? That's just working. That's just working. But I actually feel more optimistic, too, because, you know, when we talked about this, we talked about how, you know, if we're already having a hard time during a pandemic, managing the balance between work and personal and business and self, then how does this go? How does this improve when the pandemic's over? And you know, has a standard been set of like, oh, we work 12 hour days, we work on the weekends, we're always available. Are our employers going to be cool with us having personal lives when this is all said and done? But I think what you said about 
over the past year, people have been way more cognizant about mental health or personal well-being and the kind of balance between, okay, you're stuck in your house. That doesn't mean you're, you should be working all the time necessarily. Those conversations have been open. Those doors have kind of been opened. And I, I feel more optimistic that as we go back to real life, we will have more room to speak about those topics and create space in our lives for a personal well-being. So I'm feeling good about it. I am too. And I think you're, you're right. Like going forward, you know, if uh, people are living in the same city as like where their company is based out of, I think there's going to be a lot more of an open mind to hybrid schedules where sometimes they're in the office, sometimes they're not versus this fear that people are not productive if they're not in the office and like sitting right there next to everyone or easily accessible in person. And so I think that's really valuable, allowing people to have that flexibility. I think we're learning how to build boundaries for ourselves and ourselves and how those boundaries are playing out for us and like what's serving us and what's not. We're having some time to sort through that right now. And I also fully recognize that we we are speaking from a place of privilege and that we have roles where we're at a desk and we can kind of build in this boundary for ourselves. Not everybody has this and some roles are very different. Some jobs are very different, but based on like the demands of them. But I think, you know, for everyone, there is a lesson in speaking up for yourself, starting this conversation, seeing where that goes, seeing how other people are feeling, because I've gained so much value out of talking about this with you. And that's just from like a peer to peer standpoint. Imagine what it's like talking to another coworker about this, who's living and breathing and existing in the same culture and same organization as you who might be feeling this and how you kind of feel more supported when there's others that you can talk to about this and kind of help each other find ways to balance your time a little bit more. I think it's it's a really valuable conversation to have because if we can feel this good after talking about it and having a revelation like, through recording and talking about this, imagine the power that could happen if you were to talk to somebody at work about this, whether it's your manager, whether it's a coworker, somebody in a different department, if you want to get like different perspective and how like other teams are managing their time um, and project load. I think the biggest takeaway for me is that like, we need to have conversations about this. We need to be open about it and then figure out how we can show up for ourselves and show up for each other. Absolutely. Because if you feel like you are so so busy that you're sacrificing other parts of your life you are probably not alone mm-hmm. and if you open up that conversation i'm sure i'm sure people will resonate so if you haven't already had that conversation with someone i i highly recommend it and if you ever find yourself skipping meals or not going for walks or sacrificing the things that you wanted to do at the beginning of the day that were for yourself or even every time someone asks you how you're doing and you say i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> Maybe think about it and say, oh, okay, well, what could I what could I do to maybe reevaluate my schedule or or set up blocks or space for myself? Or, you know, is this every day? Is this every week? Have I been setting like, oh, I just have to get through this one project and then I'll have time for myself? Does that truly happen? So maybe it's a little bit of self-reflection as well. If you've been sneakily too busy. <laughs> and Completely agree. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a it is a 
a practice in self-reflection and really getting to the core of why you feel so busy, what it is that's making you so busy, and how much headspace you're giving to this feeling of just feeling so busy it hurts. (laughs) Because we've all been there. And I think we all go in waves of that too. You know, it maybe isn't always a constant, but when it starts becoming the norm, it's really worth reevaluating and understanding what's at the root of that and digging in a little bit deeper. Yep. A hundred percent. Wow. Well, should we wrap up? I do. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I feel really good about this. I kind of want to go like kick some butt or something. I don't know. (laughs) Feeling like recharged and alive. (laughs) I know. I feel so much better about this than I did at the beginning. It's amazing. Right. It kind of makes me like excited to take on a new work week and and, and looking ahead at like, how can I, how can I incorporate some of this? And like, knowing that I can come back to you and bounce this around, like that's a, a really valuable kind of like boost of confidence that I think exists too. So I think another big takeaway is like having some people that you can talk to about this and not just one person, right? Maybe source this around, maybe talk to a few people about it, whether it's like at work or outside of there's value and sharing. Yep, totally. That's why we're here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, we've started season two off with a total bang. I love what we've already talked about. I love what we're going to be talking about in the coming months. And I'm so excited for what we're building here and what we have um, yet to come. But just a quick reminder that you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. (laughs) uh, You can find us on Patreon. We are so appreciative of the individuals who have already started contributing to our Patreon. And we look forward to being able to shout out more people, especially any opportunity we have to use that sweet beat that we drop at the very beginning (laughs) when shouting out our Patreons. Or yeah, Patreons. Patrons? I don't know. They're patrons on Patreon. But yeah, we'll be back in March with another episode. Anything else, Sarah? Am am I missing anything? No, I think that was perfect. I just want to give a credit. All of our beats are produced by Jess. Um, So if you ever need any podcast (laughs) music of any kind, any jingles, Jess Mm -hmm. has side uh project in garage band and it's she's very talented obviously yeah you just bring me a a beat board and your girl's off she here she is here for the world to just bop around to just another side hustle yep just another project (laughs) (laughs) oh my Uh, gosh but yeah if you guys uh if you guys have any success with making time for yourself or you know want to have a conversation around busyness or think we missed anything let us know we love talking about this stuff so uh please feel free to weigh in on this absolutely we'd love to hear from you yeah otherwise thanks for listening we'll catch you next month thanks bye 